general nerdery. Spider Ham, Spider Ham, Spider Ham justified this entire damn movie. Do the Simpsons still hold up? Sort of, I guess. We'll talk about it. Look out, we're the generals of nerdery. Bam, bam, bam. Oh, fuck. You chose something that I couldn't follow up. Simpsons did it with. I was so. I mean, I, I they did do all, it, but it doesn't work as I tried well. Tried all day to fit words to the Simpsons theme song, and instead, I just had the Spider Ham from the like credits of the Simpsons movie, the like <laughs> operatic version, stuck in my head. So I just. I just love the Spider-Man ham part, Spider Ham part so much. Spider Ham is so good. Spider Ham justifies this movie's existence in a big way. <laughs> it was ten years before anyone else found about, out about Peter Parker, other than like the weird nerds like me. So uh, there's now two Spider Hams. Anyways, hey guys, welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach, and I'm Tyler. And this is your podcast about liking things. Uh, specifically, and some of you may have caught this, The Simpsons Movie in this case. Or at least The Simpsons, and I use The Simpsons Movie, and I don't remember, you were talking about watching some other episodes. Did you do that too? Or? I did not give myself enough time. I was going to watch fair? Marge vs. the Monorail uh, and a couple others, but didn't get Yeah, there. neither did I. I was wanting to, and I just didn't. I did not. Uh, Cece and I have talked about watching one episode from every season, mm. but that's like 31 seasons, and I definitely did not have time to do that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a lot. But before we dive into everything, and there's all sorts of things to talk about today, what have you been ingesting? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, not a lot this week. Um, they did drop the Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath DLC, so I did go through the new story add-on, which we'll talk about way more in depth later at some point, but it was Yeah, in cool. a couple of weeks. And I finished off this season of The Flash, and I'll probably finish uh, Supergirl or Legends of Tomorrow tonight, but... Nice! Uh, this season like was nice really good. They, Flash, you said? Yeah. They wow, did you a never really, like how they end the season. They did a good job of stretching out uh, a story and finding uh, plausible ways to to keep people depowered. and uh, It was just overall a really good season. I'm good. really looking forward to the next one. I've always liked The Flash, but as we've talked about, they've never really been able to maintain the momentum throughout the entire season, which is hilarious for a show about a guy who's all about momentum. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe they should just go to shorter seasons. I think we've talked about this before on here. Like, Well, and the other thing they did with this season is they found a good way to use multiple bad guys to keep the season going and find oh, that's good. story reasons why you focus on this one for these, you know, seven episodes, and then switch over and have to focus on this one and stuff like that, so. Well, and it sounds like they finally figured out something interesting to do with Iris, which, thank God, because they're not very good at that. 
Yeah, and all that is still ongoing and left on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Well, they did have to finish their season like four episodes early, so... Oof. Yeah, it's it's something else. So, yeah, I, I was really happy with it. Like I said, I am super looking forward to next season, actually, so... Yeah. Uh, let's see, what about me? I read one of the most recent volumes of My Hero Academia, the the manga, because I still don't watch the anime, uh, because I realized I s- that the next volume comes out in, like, a week. And I was like, wait, but I haven't read the last one yet, because it came out, like, right when the pandemic started, so mm. I wasn't able to go pick it up. Um, it's still really goddamn good. It's... I don't have anything remarkable to say about My Hero Academia, but it continues to be one of the better superhero stories I'm reading, and it can, it's one of the only manga I read at all, so nice. there's that. Uh, and now I don't have to wait, like, six months for the next one to come out, because <laughs> I said, it comes out on Saturday. Yay. Or last Saturday, by the time this episode comes out. And then I picked up... I did something I haven't done much in a long time but I did some blind buys at Muse Comics Mm. where I just I grabbed books that I did not know dick about like because usually I'm like oh I've heard really good things about that book or oh like the the reviews or blah 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 I I know I like that creator Mm -hmm. I picked up a book just because I thought the cover looked interesting and what did you pick up I picked up Stellar it is an image comic book. It was written by Joe Keatonidge, who I have actually read some stuff of. He does good work. And illustrated by Brett Blevins. And I didn't find this out till afterwards, but it the concept for it was created by Robert Kirkman and Mark Silvestri. Oh, shit. Kirkman is the creator of The Walking Dead, is probably the thing he's best known for. I It was introduced to him through Invincible. And Mark Silvestri is one of the founders of Image Comics. He created, uh, I think Cyforce was his, which is, or Cyberforce, which is not a great book, but whatever. And I'm pretty sure he was the original artist to create Mr. Sinister. Oh, okay. So, like, he has... Even if Cyberforce wasn't a great book, this guy has real chops in the comic book industry. Um, uh, I just also want to point out, Kirkman's kind of just an entertaining guy anyway. I don't know if you've ever listened to too many interviews with him or when he's done, like, guest appearances on podcasts and stuff, but dude's quick and funny. Like, he's he's cool. I go really back and forth on how much I like Robert Kirkman, but I think he falls under, I like him, I don't always like his writing choices. Mm. But that's fair. I don't have to like everyone's, like, creative choices. Stiller is an interesting book. It's about a a woman that was given kind of like cosmic level superhero powers to stop a war. And then what happens next? And it involves multiple universes and like alternate realities and major time skips. And it's only about, I would guess, about five issues long in the original. I mean, as a single... I, I just collected it as a uh, collected edition, so just one book... And it feels like a concept that they had that would would have worked for, like, a 40-issue comic book series. Mm-hmm. But they were aware that they weren't going to be able to pull off a 40-issue comic book series. So they just super condensed it down to, like, four or five issues. Mm. And it works and it doesn't because <laughs> of that. 
the idea is really interesting. This, like, what happens after, you know, the cosmic superhero and these hero and villain that can't die and, as I said, parallel universes and all these weird, fun, comic Jim Starlin Thanos concepts. But because it's so condensed, like, there's a character that is clearly big emotional moment to the main character, Stellar, but he exists for, like, three pages of the book. Uh... So much happens that is not given any emotional time to land hmm. that it's a really interesting theory, but it's not, I don't know, there, there's there's no emotional impact. Uh, it's a short story when I want it to be a novel or a novel series. Gotcha. Which is, I mean, it's interesting. I'm going to lend it to a few of my friends. I recommend it as a reading book, but it is... Uh, recommendation with a caveat. Gotcha. Hmm. Oh, and I also started a new Star Trek audiobook, and it's pretty good because it uses an entirely original, like, starship. It's not on the Enterprise or Voyager or anything. They can, like... So they don't have to be like, oh, we have to, like, be true to what Michael Dorn and Patrick Stewart did. Oh, so what's this ship, then? Uh, the Prometheus. Okay. Which does appear in an episode of Voyager, but you never meet its crew. Because it's been stolen by Romulans. Does it hang out with a less advanced ship called the Bob? No, but it should. <laughs> a caveman ship? Yes. <laughs> but the one thing that does bother me is the guy who reads the audiobook clearly did no homework on how to pronounce anything. Oh. <laughs> so everything is just a little wrong. And that's fine. Like, I get you might not... You're, you're, you read audiobooks. That doesn't mean you're a big Star Trek fan. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, the, the Romulan secret police that come in this, their name is the Tal Shiar. He calls them the Tal Shear. Or Kales is uh, the, like, Klingon, like, Jesus. And he calls them Kalos. Kalos. Mm. And it's not a big deal. But it happens on just enough words that I'm like, come on, man. Like, just... Just talk to one person before you recorded this. Like, That's funny. It, uh, And he, other than that, he's a great narrator. He just, every time he mispronounces a, like, big Star Trek concept, it pulls me out of the story. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I mispronounce everything. I doubt I've gotten a name right once in this entire podcast. Hey, hey just... I probably screw them up, too. I was going to say rely on me. I get them right, but I don't know I get them right. I try. Uh, I, I still don't know how to pronounce the uh, the the Dune guy we were talking about last week, Villeneuve? Denis Villeneuve. 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 See? I've said it four different times Denis in the Villeneuve. last 20 seconds. Perfect. Okay. Uh... How are we how are we feeling on news today? So how what order do we want to go in the news? You know, I'm going to bring this up first. It is we are recording this on June 1st of 2020. We are on day I think 4 of protests of the death of George Floyd. Mhm. Mm and the news is fucking terrible. And I'm glued to it. And it is really hard to talk about other things while this is happening. And we don't... I mean, like, I wear my politics on my sleeve. You guys all know that I'm a raging hippie. 
but we generally don't go too much into politics on stuff. But I was literally debating today, is it appropriate to do this silly podcast today? Is it appropriate to talk about The Simpsons while literally the country around us is burning? And I kind of decided that it was important to do it still. And it, I have we have the advantage of where we live is very removed from everything. We live in bumfuck nowhere Montana. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel right talking about the news without talking about the news news. And I mean, one of the, like, founding concepts of this podcast is that representation matters. Is that diversity is important. Uh, and that people deserve to be seen and heard. So... I don't know. I just, without diving too much into it, I I wanted to take a moment to be like, we acknowledge what is happening around us while we're doing this silly fucking thing. Yeah. And we appreciate that we get to do this silly fucking thing. And, you know, institutionalized racism is a thing. And we're not ignoring that. And I mean, we've, we've talked so many times about doing a, a, an episode about representation and art versus the artist. And, we keep kind of getting overwhelmed by how unqualified we are to talk about that one. Um, um, yeah, I, I was going to say that was as far as ingesting goes, I have also been pretty much glued to the news all weekend. Um, I am resisting checking the news while we record. Like I have checked it like every 10 minutes. Uh, and so I almost kind of also want to apologize in case this isn't the, best prepared I've ever been for an episode but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's um, that's where my uh, Marge versus the Monorail time went to <laughs> yeah I think if it's going to go to anywhere it's uh, keeping abreast of these of the things that are happening right now is uh, some way that I can use my time that could end up being better than not uh, especially it's with all the bullshit that's going on. It's important that we maintain a semblance of our real life, that we get to do stuff like this. That you know, I'm, As I mentioned last week, I am getting married on Saturday. By the time this episode comes out, I will have be, been married. Yay! But it's all... Yeah, I know, thank you. Congratulations! I, I can think about two things in life right now. I can think about getting married, and I can think about the world is literally on fire around me. And the complicated combination of those two things but while it's important to do that i just it was important to me to not ignore everything else that's going on around us at the same time i agree um and yeah and yeah we're just we're not ignoring it by doing this we just we need to feel happy too yeah, that's Jesus Christ. It's it's been a long day, and it's gonna be a long day tomorrow. But we're all we're all doing the best we can. I guess that's it. That's all I got. All right. So now, how about some nerd news? Please, for the love of God. <laughs> okay, I'll start with the shitty one. <laughs> <laughs> The High Republic books have been pushed back to January of 2021. I saw that. 
super bummed about that because I was looking up like uh, I had listened to. That's the thing I forgot to do in my what if my ingesting. I, d- I did a, a Star Wars audiobook too, oh. and I was looking for more, and they had all the High Republic books on Audible, and I was like, "Fuck, are those out? Yeah." And nope. uh, they're not, and so they were just like staring at me. Yep, it was supposed to be August, now early January, uh, and we'll just keep up with that as it continues to progress. Yep, I get why, I super get it, but um, CC and I are wearing like stuff based off Jedi clothes for our wedding, just to really <laughs> drive home the nerd, guys. And I'll have pictures. I'm going to be a rainbow Jedi. I look fucking fabulous. Yay. But I was like, oh man, fuck, that would be so perfect to listen to like High Republic stuff while I am making Jedi clothes. <laughs> and I was denied. And I would have been denied anyways, but still, like, I just, I'm really excited about the High Republic. Yeah. And take the time to do what you need to do to do it right. That's fine. Also, global pandemic. But that's a bummer. Coming straight off of our episode last week when we were talking about Big Finish changing up the way they're doing things over on the Doctor Who audiobooks, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the new series they're doing, of the new 12 series, is going to be called Out of Time. It's going to feature team-ups between the Doctors, with the first team-up being 4 and 10. Okay, that's... Everything about that is perfect. Versus the Daleks. Uh, That's fine. Daleks are a good classic. Just a good classic. Like, they're not who I would generally pick for the team-up episodes, but I I have no complaints about that either. I... My only concern on this one is this is not one that I want them just pumping out episodes. Mm -hmm. Because the team-up episodes be it audiobooks or comic books or obviously the TV show, need to feel special to me. You know, it should never feel like just a thing when different versions of the Doctors meet up. Yeah, there's... That's not something that can just normally happen, so it needs to feel suitably weighted. It needs to be an experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it does make me think of, this is a rumor, and I wish it was true, and I don't know if it is or not. So, Matt Smith's final episodes, one of the last ones, was the 50th anniversary, where he performed with John Hurt and David Tennant. Yes. The the, the big crossover one, great episode. And Tennant and Smith clearly loved working together. And Ooh, so the rumor more, more Tennant-Smith team them up? The rumor is... Smith approached Moffat about the idea of a whole season where half the season was Tenet episodes, half the season was Smith episodes, and then in the finale, it would be those two teaming up together again. Oh. And that didn't happen. And Smith left the series instead. And I don't know if it was just like, would have been too much work or too much money because Tenet was a much bigger name by that point. Mm-hmm. Or if Smith didn't have time or they just didn't want to overdo the like crossover things because they had just done Day of the Doctor. But, but I would have loved that season so fucking much. Uh, and so now you're thinking maybe we could get a version of it in audio? 
Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Smith and Tennant were so good together. Absolutely. The bits where they argued, the bits where they were doing stuff like identically. Because um, when Smith first started being the Doctor, everyone's like, he's just a rip-off David Tennant. But he he wasn't. But he did take enough bits of Tennant's performance that it still felt very Doctor-y. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, I love Doctor Who so much. I already was like, what Doctor Who episode should we do next? I'm like, calm down, boy. We did that last week. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back around to it before too long. Um, First Matt Smith episode was my thought, but yeah. Mm -hmm. We probably could have guessed this anyway, but just in case you were wondering with all the different uh, DC shows that have been confirmed for HBO Max, uh, Kevin Riley, one of the higher ups in HBO Max, has confirmed that the production level and funding will be above what we currently see from DC shows. Big fucking duh. <laughs> like Big I said, duh. you could probably assume that, but it's also kind of nice to hear that they're not going to be doing uh, Arrowverse-level productions on HBO Max. Yeah, and I Arrowverse tends to look good, but they are doing 20-ish episodes, a new episode every week, with limited funding. Um, I was reading... I was reading an interview with Marina Sirtis, who played Counselor Troy mm-hmm. on Star Trek Next Generation, and she was talking about the difference between doing Star Trek Picard, which is 10 episodes with, like, 10 times the budget per episode that was streaming, so it could just be done when it, like, they had a way more room to maneuver uh, scheduling and stuff, mm-hmm. versus... Star Trek The Next Generation, where they had basically a shoestring budget, and they had to get a new episode out every week. And just the wild differences in those worlds. And I am betting that the HBO shows are probably not going to be 20-something seasons. Or, not seasons, episodes a season. No. They'll probably be 10 to 15. Which I'm increasingly in favor of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the British way of doing... Actually, British people are like, 15 episodes in a season, that's insane! Right. Uh, And it kind of is. We saw kind of how long some of even those uh, 13-episode seasons over on the Netflix Marvel shows could feel. Yeah, especially if you're trying to do the one-long-movie feel. Mm -hmm. The, like, made-to-binge-in-one-go. Rather than the older-school episodic feel. 13 is a lot in that case. I... I don't have anything against longer seasons, and I don't have anything against the the movie feel, the like made for binging feel, but um, don't understate the value of episodic television either. Like, right. Uh, it also kind of sounded though like the the money, the production value might be over uh, what we saw with like the DC Universe shows though too, which is also kind of nice. Because those definitely had more money in them than, like, the Arrowverse, but... Yeah, but not a ton more money. Not a ton I mean, more. the only ones I've seen is Titans, and I have opinions on Titans, so... <laughs> I mean, the costumes were good. It just looked cheesy as I'll get out. Uh, and Everything speaking, about it was cheesy as I'll get out. Speaking of Warner Brothers spending money, when we were talking about the Snyder Cut costing an extra $30 million, that's apparently just the start. 
how much fucking money are they spending on this movie? Uh, no idea, but Warner Media chairman Bob Greenblatt was actually quoted as saying, I wish it was just 30 million and I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> they are taking a gamble here. Yeah. They're taking a big gamble from what it sounds like. And I am more interested in it the more I find out how much they're gambling. Like, I mean, as we've talked about, I don't hate Snyder, but I don't have any real, like, loyalty or affection for Snyder either. But they are betting that they can fix this. Mm-hmm. And if they win, great. It works for us because... Um, we get some sweet-ass movies, and we get to prove Mark Miller wrong, which always makes me happy. Uh, <laughs> Mark Miller, creator of Kick-Ass and Kingsman and a bunch of other stuff, has talked about how he doesn't think you can do DC heroes as movies because they're not, quote, cinematic. Uh, okay. And people kept telling me that, and I was like, but but there have been so many DC movies, guys. Right? <laughs> there are so many of them. Um I mean, Superman the movie, if yeah. nothing else, is just and like I'm, a shining example of how well DC can be done. And I mean, like, there's also Superman 4 Quest for Peace, but like, it was the 80s. No one was trying that hard for superhero movies. <laughs> there was also Dolph Lundgren's Punisher from that era, so it's not like Marvel was proving itself cinefucking-matic at the time. Sorry, apparently I'm spicy today. <laughs> and it works for them, like, not just works for us, it works for them... Because they get the, you know, money pit growing again. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. That's great. Uh, I did hear Henry Cavill is in negotiations to come back as Superman. Well, I was actually just about to mention that he has always Jumping sort of here. said that, like, the role of Superman is still his. Like, he still is <laughs> the one with the cape. Like, that, that hasn't changed. Just the company's plans might have changed. But it's not like they've announced a new Superman. He is still Superman. Yeah, and he never really wanted to quit. No. Like, the he did a little live stream the day that they publicly fucking fired him, and he's like, well, this was a weird day. Um, um, but and I thought Cavill was fine. Even with him being in talks to resume being Superman, it sounds like he won't be involved in any of the reshoots to create the Snyder Cut. Oh, okay. That was the part that when I heard they weren't sure if, like, the the reports I was reading wasn't sure if it was reshoots to finish the Snyder Cut or if it was a new Superman movie, and I was hoping the second one. Yeah, because it's, it's a, It sounds more I like the second one. Great. I enjoyed Henry Cavill as Superman. I just didn't think Man of Steel was a great movie. It had bits. It had moments. But it was overall just kind of boring. Yeah. And it there was no hope. Like I, I remember after Superman Returns, the, the one where he had a kid. Mm-hmm. They were like, we're going to redo Superman in like Dark Knight style, because that had just been really big. We're going to have Superman as an angry god. And I'm like, you have clearly never read Superman in your fucking life. <laughs> uh, so I want hope and they had moments of it and the best moments were bits where he was offering hope also when he was down downing government drones 
Yeah. Being like, I'll help, but it's on my on my you know terms. I loved that scene. Um, Anyways, well, the other thing that all the Snyder Cut news has led to is an increased an increased amount of rumors that, uh, especially if it ends up being successful, that we might see the air cut of Suicide Squad. Which Did isn't we never something... get that for some reason? I thought we got that. No, no. As f- I, I think even the extended cut, because I, th- I think there is like an extended cut release DVD, but I don't uh, that's believe. What I'm thinking of. I don't believe it's the air cut. Um, people don't clamor about that as much, but that one actually exists in a far more complete form than the Snyder cut exists. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, David Ayer shot. Uh, he was the director for the Suicide Squad, shot the movie, had it set up uh, a particular way. Then the Suicide Squad trailer is one of the best trailers to ever be made. Oh, yeah, the Suicide Squad trailer was great. It was just the Suicide Squad movie that went wrong. It went over so well that Warner had the company that made the trailer recut his footage into a Suicide Squad movie. At which point... Uh, after some test screenings, I believe that they then hired their own editors to edit that version, and that's what we got in theaters. Warner Brothers, <laughs> get your dick out of everyone's movies. <laughs> Just let them make the fucking movies and roll in the money pit. Uh, and as such, no. Suicide Squad has been pretty critically derided. Uh <laughs> Now, Suicide Squad had problems just beyond weird editing choices, apparently, of the, like, 16 different editors it apparently had. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. Like, Ayer's not that great of a director in the first place. Like, he also did, what was that movie? The, the, the Orc Cops with Will Smith. Uh, uh, Bright. Bright? Which was, eh. It's fine until you think about it. Yeah, that, that kind of sums up David Ayer, or at least the movies of his that I've seen. He's a really good filmmaker. I don't know how much he has a handle on uh, comics or fantasy in general properties. He's also mm. said some other things in interviews about different comic properties where I'm, I've been kind of like, is this a guy that really should be handling these properties? But um, It's like whoever did the first Hulk movie, the one with... Um Eric Bana as the Hulk, and what was that? Spike Lee. Oh no, it was uh, the Angley Hulk movie. Angley's a Angley, great. Thank you. Angley's a great right. filmmaker. He's made some amazing but he, movies, but he fucked but he that openly Hulk dislikes way up. comic books. Yeah. If you don't like comic books, don't make a comic book movie. That's not difficult, man. Also, yes, Angley, not Spike Lee. I knew I was wildly wrong, but like <laughs> close at the same time. Sorry, Misters Lee. So, who knows? That might happen. I would be interested in watching it, just because I know the story of how its editing got fucked to hell, but... Yeah. I just... I am way more interested in the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie. Yeah. Yeah, same That I really want him to get done so he can go make Guardians of the Galaxy 3, like, just both of those things. While we're talking about a shared universe... The original shared universe, over on the horror side, Ryan Gosling might be our next Wolfman. Oh, they're 
are they still trying to make a money pit shared universe for those? Because I don't know they've if tried they've, twice now. I don't know if they're still planning on making it a shared universe, but Universal is for sure trying to still make use of its monster properties. That at one point was one of the original shared universes once they got uh, all crossed over by all meeting Abbott and Costello. But of all fucking things, because uh, they tried with oh god, they made like a Frankenstein movie. I want to say I don't even remember what that one was. Well, there was the the Dracula Unbound. That's the one I'm thinking which, of, which uh, was so bad that they decided that that wouldn't be the start, and that the start would be the Mummy instead. And then which they was made so the bad. Mummy, which was so bad that they decided not to make a shared universe. <laughs> uh, but which then they still the made the Invisible that that Man. I liked was. Was that supposed to be part of it originally? Well, no, but that's when they were like, well, let's still use... We might not make it a shared universe, but let's still use our, our monster properties. And then mm -hmm. Invisible Man is supposed to be really good. I still haven't watched it, but... Uh, so this would be the follow-up. You know, it would be great to get an Invisible Man that doesn't have Kevin Bacon, like, creepily unzipping someone's shirt while they're sleeping. Uh, like, I think this one... the. Invisible Man is still a bit of a creeper, but... Um, well, I mean, he's still the Invisible Man, like... Right. I don't know. Jury's still out on whether they're ever going to try to make it a shared universe again, but it is, like, old-school nerddom. It is the original shared universe. And Ryan Gosling as the Wolfman? I'm down. That could be interesting. I approve of a universal shared universe, which is a weird turn of phrase. But they really do need to worry about making good movies first and then combining. Mm -hmm. Like, Iron Man was a good movie that they did a throwaway line at the end of being like, oh, oh maybe people like it. And then it fucking took off. And they're like, oh, shit. Okay, we have to try. <laughs> um, and most of those first movies were good. Yeah. Well, about half of those first movies were good, and I had fun at all of them. Incredible Hulk is not a great movie, but otherwise. <laughs> so worry about making a good movie and toss in a couple of hints here and there, and then combine them together. Yeah. Um, and you don't. And the other thing is, if if there's no natural way to do it, don't feel forced. But also combine them with Marvel and just do the Creature Commandos, or is uh that DC? I don't know, but I am so down. <laughs> I think that's DC. Either way, it's it's exactly what it sounds like. I am so down. But since we have talked about it before, Clay, uh, Kate Blanchett has signed on to play Lilith in Eli Roth's Borderlands movie. Huh. I'm so fascinated by this movie. <laughs> It's going to be the visuals that determine how this works or not. Yep. Like, we've talked about before that, you know, the cell shade is part of what makes Borderlands work. But if you still get that feel that, like, post-apocalyptic was still, like, the bright primary colors, it could work. Mm-hmm. And I want it to work because I love that combination. Um, how many, how many sirens were there? Seven in the Borderlands universe? I haven't played in years, so I would not be able to tell you. 
I want to say that seven is right. Uh, how many rings did Sauron make for the elves? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Kate cannot get away from that. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. Uh, that's super exciting. She's, of course, no stranger at all to genre. This could be a lot of fun. Yeah. She's the one that I'm always, like, kind of surprised that she's in a genre film, but she's done enough of them that I shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she seems like, even even as she continues to do them, she seems too high class for it, doesn't she? Exactly. I'm like, what are you doing in Thor Ragnarok? And then I'm like, oh, having the time of your fucking life, clearly. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's what that is. It's, it's... It's still going forward. Somehow, Eli Roth's Borderlands lands <laughs> Kate Blanchett. Oh, that's amazing. I should have told you to watch this little trailer beforehand, but I think it'll just give you something else to, to put a smile on your face later today. I'll just tell you that this is going to exist. Did God, you ever watch... recording in person. Did you ever watch uh, much like, like Double Dare or guts or like wild and crazy kids on nickelodeon back in the day i remember guts but i didn't have nickelodeon as a kid so or like legends of the hidden temple anyway. we're talking about star wars jedi challenge aren't we or jedi absolutely temple. star wars oh, jedi yeah, temple challenge <laughs> oh ahmed best my friend jar jar binks is getting to host uh game show like the kind I grew up with watching every day when I grew up that is going to be all Star Wars themed. I'm probably not going to watch it because it'll probably be boring as shit to my old man days now, but... <laughs> yeah, I'll watch like an episode or two just for the curiosity of, and also to see Ahmed Best in a Jedi outfit for a movie or show, but... um I'm glad it exists, and I'm glad that they're willing to do weird shit with the Star Wars license. Mm -hmm. Like, it's crazy product placement, but it's also kind of fun at the same time. Like, I'm getting married dressed like a Jedi, guys. Obviously, product placement has worked on me. <laughs> um, and how how much more would it have worked on you if, with your love of Star Wars growing up, you could have watched a show where kids are getting to compete as young Jedi Padawans swinging fake lightsabers at balls being suspended in air by air jets. As we talked about, I bought fake lightsabers <laughs> last week. Um, I, I, I was watching the trailer for this because I'd heard it was coming and I was curious if the idea had got dropped or something. And I, I was kind of with you. I'm like, I don't think this is going to be that exciting for me as an adult because if i'm going to watch you know a obstacle course thing now i'm going to watch something like american ninja warrior mm -hmm. like really go hardcore with it but i would have murdered someone murdered someone to do that when i was seven absolutely so many murdered children <laughs> <laughs> just gone full Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> I was about to say, Star Wars just tends to lead to murdered younglings, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, I think it's that damn Jar Jar's influence. Oh. Uh, anyway, Jar -Jar. 
that exists. It's going to exist. I'm there's something that just makes my heart super happy to know that that's a thing. So, all right, yeah, that's great. Bring up new generations of Star Wars and bring them up to enjoy it, not to be like weird fan purists. Mm-hmm. And also, all I my best just deserves affection. Like at this point, like he put up with twenty years of people shitting on his character that literally changed how we do special effects. Not a big Jar Jar fan. But he changed how we do special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that note, I don't know why I said on that note. That does not relate. Anyways, let's take a quick break, and then let's dive into another staple of fiction with The Simpsons. The Simpsons. On the big screen. <laughs> So, way back in the day, uh, back when The Simpsons first debuted, uh, it was considered extremely countercultural and a blight amongst uh, a blight uh, upon American society, and that it might uh, erode American traditional family ideals. And I can say that it has had, unfortunately, uh, such an effect on me as because of The Simpsons, I don't have a soul. Oh, really? Did you sell your soul like that one episode? After I watched the episode, Bart sells his soul from, I believe, season seven. It's a classic uh, episode. It's one of the few I remember. I sold my soul multiple times. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I lost mine in a game of cards to Malark when I, uh, freshman year of high school. Uh, I'm not even entirely positive <laughs> uh, who has my soul. <laughs> I think it's Angus. I... Angus, I know you've listened to a couple episodes. If you're listening to this one, please confirm whether you have my soul or not. <laughs> he has your heart. Um, uh, you know. So, that's... Uh, the Simpsons convinced me as a child to sell my soul for, I believe, chocolate milk. Oh, perfect. Oh, square deal. Not chocolate milk, because I wanted to avoid the rat milk. Oh my god, the most... Th this is not related to Simpsons, but it is related to chocolate milk. The most brilliant story one of my sisters did. Uh, my mm -hmm. my stepsister Kelly and my stepmom, when Kelly was a kid, they're at the grocery store and she goes, "Mom, can we get three chocolate milk?" And uh, Patty goes, "No, you can get one." Wait, no, crap. <laughs> <laughs> So she asked for three, and instead of being like, no, you can't have chocolate milk, just automatic drop down to one. It is classic brilliant children. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but The Simpsons, you know, the reason why we're here. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I picked The Simpsons movie because it's probably The Simpsons I have the most connection with. Because I didn't, it was on when I was a kid, like, and we would watch it, but it was never like, every week I'm going to sit down and watch The Simpsons but I had this one on DVD, so I watched this several times. And oh. I was like, this would be a good, like, all-around all thing to do. That's and it. That's kind of really interesting, because I have a completely different relationship with The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, because you were a big Simpsons fan, which is the other reason why I wanted to do this episode. Uh, I was a big early Simpsons fan. Uh, as much as this is uh, a podcast about liking things, I do have to say that my first note on this movie is, that's right, this was the last time I cared about The Simpsons. 
It's the last time most people cared about The Simpsons, yeah. <laughs> and it was a um, weird, harsh reminder of that. But it was also, I mean, it wasn't a bad experience, and we'll get into that. But but I was like, this would be a good, like, because it's a little longer, so instead of just trying to, like, dis- discuss The Simpsons as, like, a 20-minute episode, we we have a little more kind of meat to go into. But this is just so chop full of jokes. They have another joke landing, like every thirty seconds in this movie. Mm-hmm. That I was just watching and being like, I have no fucking clue how I'm going to talk about this. Other than the fact that Homer is a piece of shit. Okay, so that's a good point. First off, <laughs> um, so you didn't have you didn't have much contact with The Simpsons growing up. Do you re- do you remember what your first experiences were? We had a couple episodes recorded because my mom used to, you know, just record random bits of TV. Mm-hmm. And we had Bart loses his soul. Okay. And I don't remember what else. And in middle school, which would have been, you know, 2000, what, one for me, 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. So seasons like 12 ish. I went through a phase where I was watching The Simpsons. Uh, and it was pretty good back then, but it was, you know, after, like, The Simpsons' heyday already, but before the movie came out. And then I watched this movie not expecting much because no one cared about The Simpsons anymore and actually really enjoyed this movie. And then immediately fell out of The Simpsons again, and I've watched, like, three episodes since. So my experience with it is mostly from around when I was, like, 12 years old. Okay. I remember Mr. Plow really well. Mr. Plow, that's my name. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess for me, I was just trying to figure it out, try to see if I could figure out, like, a closer to an exact date. Uh, I probably would have saw my first Simpsons episode around five or six years old while on vacation uh, seeing my family down in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fell in love instantly. I thought it was the funniest thing. And it was like I was five or six, right? So I didn't quite understand how things worked. So I was super... I don't remember a lot of specific details. What I do remember is being super bummed because I thought that The Simpsons were just something you could watch in San Diego. (laughs) I didn't realize that, like, while we were down there, I didn't realize that when I got back home that we were going to be able to turn it back on <laughs> uh, every weekend that's, that's classic from then on, right? There. So it was also, you know, it also led to a super amazing moment where uh, I kind of, you know, had that first bit of realization as well as then uh, getting sucked in. Simpsons, let's see, if I was five or six, that would have been, you know, 1992, 1993, which is... So, like, seasons, like, four? Yeah, so, like, seasons four or five with uh, the height of Simpsons mania. Yeah, I I still associate Bart with Butterfingers a lot. uh, I got into The Simpsons at the same time that basically the rest of America did. I had the Simpsons Sing the Blues CD. I had... A, God, that's such a weird album. I had a couple of the different video games, especially the, the NES titles. I didn't have um, 
Oh God, what was it? It was a. Uh, I didn't have Bart versus the Radioactive Mutants, but I did have Bart versus the World and Bartman meets Radioactive Man. Uh, I oh remember. man, it wasn't until years later, but I forgot about this. I had the or my buddy had the the Simpsons Taxi Driver game. Oh yeah, yeah, that one was fun. That was a great one. Um, I ran over Mole Man a lot. <laughs> Played quite a few of the different ones. Uh, it was Simpsons Road Rage. That's it. Or Hit and Run? Shit, I can't remember which. Anyway. And then kind of just grew up with the Simpsons. Uh, it was just part of my week to catch the new episode. Every week when it came out. Uh, up until... Basically, this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's 2007. You you watched it for over 10 years. Cece and I were talking about this of... She watched it with me of... When did The Simpsons lose relevance? And part of it is just... TV kind of grew up without The Simpsons? Or, like, without The Simpsons growing with it? Because... Nothing changes in The Simpsons. By the end of the episode, for the most part, everything's the same as it was at the beginning. Ah, uh, ooh, you are just leading into all of my notes. That's a lot more later Simpsons. Or really Simpsons right. from this time period on. Um, but, I mean, like, not e even with that, like... You know, baby Maggie hasn't grown up in 30 years. True, true. There's always a, a certain amount of status quo that's that's maintained. Well, and like, you know, Family Guy came out, and I'm not a Family Guy fan, although there are some funny episodes, um, that took what The Simpsons was doing and took it a few steps further, edgier, for good or ill. And then, you know, Futurama came out, which took a lot of the stuff that was good about The Simpsons, but added in a lot more character growth. Like, and The Simpsons still feels kind of like, you know, married with children. But years and years later. And that's the problem and the big change that happened. Um, as someone who followed especially through the early days of the Simpsons through the tra into the transition period, uh, which is sort of what I would consider the movie to fall into. Um, some would argue that the transition really started back towards like season eight, which the movie takes place. Oh, what would it be like around season? Uh, it came out in 2007. So it would have been around season 18. Right, season 17, 18. Season 8, I believe, has the highest rated episode of the entire series. And it's also the one where all the ratings for the episodes start to trend pretty dramatically downhill. Uh, after season 8, you get a lot of the writing staff starting to fall off that was around in the, the original episodes. Uh, and you sort of have the three main producers... Uh, starting to become a lot more hands-off with the show as they move on to other projects uh, like Futurama. Mm. Um, when the show was originally conceived 
And as you go through the early episodes, the point of the show uh, and why it was such a big hit was because it wasn't every other sitcom. Grew up uh, watching a lot of TV. And because of growing up in an impoverished area with a basic cable layout that was uh, under like 15 channels for most of my life. Oh, yeah. I had ABC, NBC, and two different versions of PBS. Yeah. I grew up on a a super steady supply of 70s and 80s sitcoms. Uh, And some older, to be honest. But those were always around, and they were a mainstay of my life as I was growing up in the early 90s somehow. And it was... Even as a kid, before I, I could understand what was different, The Simpsons always stood out as being different because of things that now I can point out. Uh, it didn't have a laugh track. Yeah, that's fair. All, Almost all 70s, 80s, even early 90s sitcoms were not just included a laugh track, but were written in a way so that the jokes were almost reliant on the laugh track. The Simpsons... I mean, even shows we've talked about before. I mean, Red Dwarf uses laugh track. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Simpsons didn't have a laugh track. And it very much was aping this the perfect family setup that was so prevalent through 80s family sitcoms. Um, everybody kind of sucked. Uh, Homer isn't what he is in this in the Simpsons movie. I Jesus, he's such a fucking asshole from pretty much. Uh, this time period of The Simpsons on out, he instead is just someone who's just not quite good enough and understands it and is just trying to grab the little bit of of enjoyment he can from his everyday life. Rather than being Mm -hmm. this super amazing dad, he's kind of a shitty dad who is kind of married up and is just smart enough to know it and feel bad about the burden that he places on people. And that pervades a lot more of the early Simpsons than what we get later on, where he truly almost like doesn't care and is stupid just to set up jokes. Yeah. It's interesting. I I keep comparing it to married with children and it is worlds better than married with children, which is so misogynistic in retrospect. But it, 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 I think Al Bundy and Homer Simpson definitely have some similarities of kind of the bum dad. When we're so used to, you know, sitcoms of the time did the perfect dad character who just wants to, like, drink a little bit of beer and get through life. But the difference is, and I think what makes Simpsons better than Married with Children is the characters actually like each other. Yeah. Where with Married with Children, they all just fucking hate each other, and it's just sad to watch. Like, I do not get why that show was popular. Um, uh, but but also, when Simpsons, we mentioned, there's okay. one other thing I wanted to mention about it returning to the status quo. Um, that's also another thing that you see a lot more prevalent as you go into the later seasons, as they kind of start having to do that to have things to set up these jokes time and time again, or what counts as jokes in some of the later episodes um earlier on you had a lot more permanent consequences happening from time to time 
uh, especially with things like uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy dying or one of Lisa's favorite teachers moving away after helping her to sort of uh, be able to reassert herself and in a really or touching Flanders moment. wife dying. Mm-hmm. I remember that one being big. Um, I think I think what it might be is that The Simpsons changed TV. That's like it. That's it really it. changed TV. But then it itself got kind of static while the rest of TV continued to grow up, which makes it feel weirdly archaic now. Well, and if you look at it, like I said, those early seasons, part of the point was it was aping what people had seen for what was the status quo. Early Simpsons was absolutely 100% counterculture. Um, it was called out uh, in speeches by uh, Bush Sr. For, for possibly being something that could corrupt ideals. Like, I was not joking about that part. Because it was yeah. so much different than what was considered to be good and healthy and what was the status quo that was being shown on television the entire time. But then it became literally one of the biggest things in the world. And so once it, you are the status quo, what do you make fun of? Huh. That's a real interesting way of looking at this that I never thought about. Um, Cece was talking about a video she'd seen called When Did the Simpsons Become Irrelevant? And you just put the nail on the head. Um, you like, kind of see this happen with other shows that... Uh, were very similar to The Simpsons. Uh, South Park has very has had to radically change from what it was in early seasons to be able to keep going the way it has. Lord knows why it's still going. Anyways, opinions. Um, and um, I would say Family Guy even has to an extent too, although Family Guy always relied a little bit harder on the non sequiturs and the absurdist part of it that uh, doesn't require... Uh, as much cultural relevancy, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, even stuff that was always a little bit, like, tamer and cleaner, but, like, Friends. Mm-hmm. Once it became the biggest show in the world and very status quo, they weren't really sure what to do with themselves. When you win, what do you do next? Right. And The Simpsons won. Getting to do this movie in some ways is uh, proof that The Simpsons won. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. As someone, as someone who does not have the relationship with The Simpsons that you have, as someone who watched it growing up, who thinks it's funny, and if I were to watch an episode that came out today, I would still probably think it was funny, but I would never like. I'm never going to sit down and watch thirty seasons of The Simpsons. I still really enjoyed this movie, like for the most part. It holds up 13 years later. For the most part, I agree. Uh, and even There's... even if it sounds like I'm super getting down on New Simpsons, I do try to watch some of the new stuff every now and then, and I mostly just find it to be a lot more um, hit or miss for the most part. There's still definitely things in there that I find funny, and it's still recognizable as being The Simpsons, but I just don't find it to to bring as much quality overall. The magic is gone. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's okay to end a thing. Yes. <laughs> That's really what it is. I legit uh, would not mind The Simpsons being ended at this point, but 
<laughs> and I'm not giving crap to the creators or the actors who were like, if you're going to keep paying me, I'm going to keep doing my job. That's a super legitimate thing. Especially someone who only works his job because they're paying me. <laughs> right. But, you know, Futurama ended, and I think part of the reason why it ends up being stronger is because it didn't have time to burn out in the same way, even when it came back. Anyway, I've talked a lot about Simpsons at general. Like, how about how about some more about, like, this movie in general? I was going to say, how do we want to talk about this movie? Because as I said, this movie, I had forgotten how joke after joke after joke after joke after joke after joke, like, it is just... From the moment the noise starts, there is a new joke every, like, 15 seconds. Well, all right. Explaining jokes is never fun, and neither no. necessarily is listing them. However, what is fun is what were the ones that did stick out to you in particular? Uh, the first thing that made me directly laugh, other than the scientist guy going, on the big screen with the Simpsons, <laughs> is... I mean, they go straight into the Simpsons intro, and the thing Bart's writing on the on the chalkboard is, I will not illegally download this movie. <laughs> Which was huge in 2007. Yep. Like, that's just the thing they account for now. Back then, they were like, oh my god. Oh my god, digital pirating. It'll be the end of us. <sighs> and, as I said, uh, clearly, I adore Spider-Pig. But we'll get to that. I think Bart skateboarding naked to the uh, Krusty Burger or whatever it is, I thought was one of the better joke scenes. And it was just, it was very well done. The whole, the, the, the animation was very good uh, for all of this. That's one I was going to bring up. Um, I do want to point out that, like, this is one of the parts where... Like, Homer's just weird, especially when you compare him to older seasons of The Simpsons. Being that dare is just fucking strange. Or they implied that the dare right before where Homer's wandering around with a bunch of bricks on his back while Bart is shooting him with, like, a pellet gun. Mm-hmm. Bart, or not Bart, Homer goes, why did I suggest this? Right. Like, Homer has gone by this point from the, like everyday dad who's not quite as good as he wants to be to just such a bizarre idiot caricature and I'm not even mad about that necessarily as someone without the Simpsons attachment but it's it's weird um, and it, it's but, kind of become the standard but like that was new yeah but also god damn like that was such a good dick joke and for like the two minutes of wonderful fucking animated setup of everything hiding it just to have a bush cut out where all you see is his dick for like three seconds. Yeah, I have seen Bart Simpson's penis and I don't know how I feel about that. Or he rolls past Ralph Wiggum who goes, I like men now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this really showed that it was 2007, and that's part of what was interesting watching this movie to me, of what was funny 13 years ago and what still holds up and, like, what shows. And Green Day being the, like, first big guests 
the first big like celebrity guests was just kind of peak 2007. This is a couple years after American Idiot had come out. This is in the same way that people were like, holy shit, The Simpsons is still kind of relevant. It was like, holy shit, Green Day? So this is another one of the things where there's uh, a marked difference between older Simpsons and newer Simpsons. Older Simpsons celebrity cameos tended to be a lot more hidden or worked into the plot. Like, if they were appearing as themselves, there was a reason why they were around, and, like, the character tended to be around the entire episode, because, like, the character was, you know, they're supposed to be in town for this event or that event. Uh, either the that Michael or they Jackson were turned episode. into not playing themselves and were just playing a character in Springfield that showed up. Uh, mm -hmm. Later Simpsons tends to go... And here's a celebrity cameo. And isn't it funny that Green Day, such known political outspoken activists, want to talk about the environment? We're not going to let them. Ha <laughs> ha. And now we're moving on. It was definitely interesting how much this movie had a hardcore environmental message. Mm -hmm. Which felt edgy in 2007 and these days just feels like, no, seriously, guys, listen to Lisa Simpson here. Like, it, it kind of was another one where Simpsons felt kind of prescient. Yeah. Because these days I think about what we're doing to the environment several times a week, minimum. Well, and I, I, I don't think I caught this. I don't think I caught this all the way the first time I watched it. Now, obviously, the pig shit silo looks like a dick. Mm -hmm. which is funny by itself. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that that, <laughs> that that means that Homer fucked the environment until I was watching it and started laughing really hard. That's okay. I just put it together right now <laughs> when you said that. Basically, the plot is Homer is a crap dad and they're destroying the environment. And in a combination of the two between adopting Spider-Pig... Homer wrecks the environment bad enough that Russ Cargill, head of the EPA, who a super rich man taking over the EPA and going mad with power, it was again that was like, oh, Simpsons. Epa! Oh, oh, Epa! I miss when you were satire. Decides to put a dome over the city. Wait, so how did you laugh really, really hard that building a wall worked on Cletus? I can't. I just, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no the part that i laughed on that one and it was a dumb joke was when the mobsters went to go toss a body in the lake and they're like you can't do that they're like okay i'll go put my yard trimmings in a trash compactor and wiggum just believes he's like oh okay gotta learn to listen uh it is interesting how big of a cast the Simpsons has, and how many they managed to fit in this movie somewhere. Yeah. Which is another thing the TV and a lot of things just kind of adopted of a lot of the background characters getting their own stories and not just like one or two of them, but so many of dozens them. of them. Scrubs actively wanted to do the Simpsons of any time they had a background character, keep them and use them again later. Even Welcome to Night Vale does that. 
Mm. That's a podcast made in 20 now. I was elected to lead, not to read. That fucking broke me. (laughs) A celebrity elected president making world-changing decisions without reading anything. And I was like, okay, we're done. Yeah, but, like, how much... Like, I... I would fucking kill for President Schwarzenegger right now. Yeah, Jesus Christ. And considering that I thought he did a bad job as a guy, never mind, we're going to not talk about politics. Um, (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, I did find it weird that they used, like it it was President Schwarzenegger, though, because... Yeah, I was expecting it to be what's-his-name. The Schwarzenegger knockoff. Oh, uh, Rainier Wolfcastle. Is that his name? The, I I have no idea. I think it's I Rainier Wolfcastle. I just remember they used, they used him in the Radioactive Man episode, uh, and used real acid. The goggles, they do nothing. Yeah, Rainier Wolfcastle uh, plays McBain most of the time. Married to Maria Wolfcastle, Austrian. Yeah, totes not Arnold Schwarzenegger. I wonder if they had to pay Arnold for that. Um, I don't know, but you know how they, in in like some of the episodes, they play clips from the McBain movies? Uh-huh. Apparently you can put those all together and it pretty much makes like a working script for a McBain movie. Of course it fucking does. <laughs> um. Jesus. Early Simpsons really was an insanely put together show. Where where is the first place that putting a town under a dome came up? Is that like that feels like a Twilight Zone thing, and I know it's just exists. Possibly yeah. as long as snow globes have existed. Yeah, I'm not sure, and I don't know how what you want to count as like a town under a dome because I like you could you could throw in Truman Show almost as like a town under a dome, but yeah, well in a completely different, completely different kind of warped way. Mm-hmm. Uh, ugh, Truman Show was so good. The movie that proved that Jim Carrey can act. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> oh God. Uh, this is about a movie that we're largely not going to talk about. I will say, Maggie is the best Simpson. Always has been. She always has been, and she is the only reason they live through literally any of this. You brought up the whole thing, like, everything always ends up getting reset, and that's, the dome coming down in general is just one of those things that like, I don't know if that even ever gets referenced in Simpsons history now. You know what I mean? I'm not surprised. It's not unusual for... I mean, that's not even a Simpsons thing. It's not unusual for stuff that happens in a movie of the TV show to not be talked about in the TV show. Mm-hmm. And I maybe mean, it does. Like I said, I haven't kept up super a lot with, like, newer Simpsons, but... Sometimes they're not even allowed to. Who owned the TV rights and the movie rights for Star Trek was different for like 15 years. Mm. That you couldn't reference one or the other in the same thing, really, other than like the most basic. This is Star Trek. The dome gets dropped. They can get out. They get out. Obviously, shit ensues. They Uh, go to Alaska. They go to Alaska. 
Homer's an asshole, like, the entire time. They have a really good gag of the animals coming in to help them. Like, it's a, uh, like a Disney movie. And then they go to bed together, and the animals all just get really horrified looks as they realize what's going on. <laughs> that was pretty good. That, it, it, it was a throwaway. Everyone other than Homer decides to go back and save Springfield. And there is a legitimately sad moment where Homer gets everything he deserves and his family leaves him. I think ultimately, when I look at it in a meta way and where this falls into the Simpsons timeline and how they've contributed to, te- to treat these characters as the show has went on, that it's an extremely touching moment within the movie. And Homer has to come to this giant realization that like, he's the problem and he needs to take care of the people that he says he cares about um, and all sorts of things. And says he realizes how he's been acting. And it actually kind of throws the fact that he's been an asshole this entire movie into his face. And then they keep him as kind of an asshole for the rest of the series to date. Yeah, and he gets fixed a bit in the movie, but he gets forgiven way too quickly for how much he continues to suck. Um, I will say the one part of this movie that doesn't land quite right in 2020 that landed better in 2007 mm-hmm. is the Inuit woman who gives him a vision quest. Oh, yeah, yeah. That just kind of like cliche tokenization of a culture and parts of the scene were kind of funny and it was well done but it it's a lot more noticeable that like it's one thing for the simpsons to make fun of american culture because it is just peak american culture it's another thing to make fun of someone else's culture even if you're trying to do it like affectionately mhm and it just I didn't notice it really at the time when I watched it, you know, when I was 18, 19, however old I was when I watched this movie. But watching it now, it was a little jarring. Uh, Yeah, I'll agree with that. I was I kind of had forgotten that that had even happened in it. And I was like, oh, shit, that's right. Okay. (laughs) All right. That's fucking weird. I'm like, okay, well, however, they get to the sort of surreal things, because I do like when when the Simpsons makes use of the fact that it's animation and can have some of those crazy dream slash epiphany slash drug induced sequences, depending on what episode you're talking about. Oh yeah. And this is, I don't know when they fully transitioned from doing hand-drawn animation to CGI, Mm -hmm. like all done computer. This is really well done, pretty computer animation. Yes. That still looks like a traditionally animated... It doesn't... It's clearly not hand-drawn, but it's not trying to be, like, full 3D Pixar effects. Mm Mm-hmm. And I appreciated it, and I appreciated that they clearly had the budget to do things that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Oh, my God. On their way back down, when they're going to go save Springfield, Bart, on the train... I'm the lead of an uh, I'm the mascot of an evil corporation. <laughs> and then 
And I was watching 12, it on Disney 13 Plus. 13 years later. Yeah, that me too. 12, 13 years later, The Simpsons is now owned by Disney. And I was just like, oh my god, just, oh. Again, Simpsons, this isn't as prescient as, like, that weird one where Lisa takes over as president after Trump. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Or other various predicted things. But it's definitely like, man, you there were bits of this that you were tapped into the cultural zeitgeist probably better than you knew. <laughs> so the the sort of storyline that never really landed for me because I felt the most like it didn't matter is the whole Bart and the Flanders is thing. Where do you come it's, down on that? <laughs> it started really well. But it was the plot that they ran out of time and just decided to just fuck it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there were bits when Flanders makes him the Coco and just keeps coming back with more and more stuff. Like, the buildup of that gag was really good. Bart getting affection from Flanders that he wouldn't have had otherwise was really solid. Uh, it did kind of drive home the... The Simpsons has always bordered so much on the cartoon and the realistic that the more abusive elements of Bart and Homer are a little uncomfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. And like when he drops the fishing pole and Bart's expecting to get choked suddenly like and realizes he's not going to turned that a little less Looney Tune slapstick and a more fucking horrifying Still a, a little bit of good slapstick in there, though, that he has the same physical reaction, even though he's not being choked. Yes. <laughs> I'm not I'm not just going to write this off as like, yeah. oh, Bart's being a beat. I've seen people take that to weird, dark places. Mm -hmm. I recognize what slapstick is. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, they literally, like, the whole thing is going, and they finish that plot line in a 20-second period out of nowhere. Which well, is unfortunate, because some of the early bits were good in it. Well, and they finish it kind of out of nowhere. I do want to say that it is the longest walk for kind of a throwaway joke that I've ever seen. Because that entire plot line leads up to when, uh, oh god, I can't remember which one of Flanders' kids says it. It's like, I wish I had a dad like Homer Simpson. I wish, <laughs> I wish you didn't have the devil's curly hair. <laughs> That's so fucking right. Um, Which is like, like the longest been... walk to make that joke where it's like, oh, even <laughs> Flanders is shitty, but. I feel like that joke of like Flanders becoming the dad had been done somewhere on the show before? Because I remember it felt familiar to me. Oh, yeah, there's the episode where he ends up looking after the kids and he's going to baptize them. No, Jesus. And uh, um, at the at the very end, like, they're down, they're down at the river and they're going to baptize Bart. And Homer has made it down and he refuses to let Flanders baptize Bart. And he manages to do, like, the the push the fucking president out of the way of the bullet dive except he does <laughs> that to have the fucking drop land on his forehead god this show was weird I, 
it's touched on a little bit in the movie, and I just touched on it by bringing up that episode. Also notable, especially for the time period, for not being a show to shy away from talking about religion. Yeah. Uh, many, many, many times. I think it still might be the sitcom to bring up religion the most. I believe it. It was weird to me, and I realized it was a lot more common at the time, and I realized that church is still the thing that a lot of people go to. I have never come from a religious family. I have never... I've gone to church maybe five times in my life. So how much that the idea that just everyone in the town just goes to church every week has always been bizarre to me. Mm. And that it's not a... It's not a bad thing, but like... Comic book guy goes to church. Obviously Flanders goes to church. The doctor goes to church. Cletus goes to church. Uh, uh, who is it? The the groundskeeper, Willie, mm-hmm. goes to church. Like everyone does, and that was always strange to me that like there was never one person in the town that wasn't a, that you wouldn't expect to see at the church. Having Granddad be a prophet was kind of a clever move. That was pretty funny. It, this is one of the only times I can think of that they actually show appreciation. I mean, they don't treat him very well still, but they show some, some appreciation for Granddad. Or Grandpa. Yeah. This and, like, the fight in Hellfish. That's about it. I mean, they do leave him in the car rolled up, <laughs> but, like... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't, there's, there's so many fun things in this episode. I mean, in the, not in this episode, in this movie, but it's still weirdly bittersweet for me. Cause I can, it's so easy for me to notice, especially these days, uh, all the things that had changed from what I had grown up with. Yeah, that's fair. And that's kind of why I want, not that I wanted to make you bittersweet. That sounds mean, but, um, it's kind of why I wanted to bring this one up, because I knew it was a thing that you have a lot of attachment for. Because we've done stuff I have a lot of attachment for and have grown <laughs> up watching. Or that we both have. But I wanted to do something that was a little more your wheelhouse. And we're actually doing a couple of these episodes coming up, so I'm real excited for that. But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, this... Like early Simpson, early graining in general, because like the life, life and hell comics are astounding. If you've never gotten a chance to read them, I have not. Um, it was all these little drawings and doodles and comics with all these recurring characters that were all sort of pre-Simpsons, uh, even a little bit more punk in some ways than than early Simpsons was, and it's just all like life is hell, work is hell, love is hell. And it's just amazing comedy that now I will say I haven't uh, read any of the life is hell in years. I would bet it still holds up. Mm hmm. Well, and even early Futurama is probably some of the best science fiction comedy that I've ever seen. Mm hmm. Gronick, when he is on point, was really good. He could do funny or sweet or sad well, and the early writing staff on The Simpsons also just had a lot of names that are just phenomenally amazing comedy writers. Uh, the big one that always jumps out, there's a, a ton of people you could name, 
but like Conan O'Brien was a writer on The Simpsons. Oh, I forgot about that. That's weird to think about. For years. And like Conan's not my favorite, but he's funny. He's funny. He's he knows how to do comedy, TV comedy. Uh, not just and consistently funny has managed to, if nothing yeah. else, just continue to grow his career. Yeah, he's not someone that's like super hit or miss. I don't find his highs as high, but he is. I I don't think I've ever watched a Conan like show or interview and been like, well, this is a complete waste of my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so once all that changed, which it will inevitably do, especially when a show goes for thirty plus seasons. Obviously, some of that also goes out the door. So, mm-hmm. But seriously, credit to the voice actors here, because some of them played like 15 characters. And have forever. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. That's so impressive. I know I, I've always like had a had a bit of a, a bias towards like Harry Shearer myself, partially just because he also shows up in This is Spinal Tap, but... <laughs> Which one's Harry Shear? Uh, Burns, Smithers, Ned Flanders, Revan Lovejoy, uh, mm. President Schwarzenegger, Principal Skinner, Doctor Hibbert. Wow! wow. Uh, Otto, Kent Brockman, Lenny. Holy shit! Scratchy. That's real impressive. This might be a more topical political than I usually go on this, and this episode's already done that. But the night I watched this and Burns unleashes the dogs on people oh. is the same night that President Trump threatened to unleash the dogs on people. And I almost had to turn the movie off. <laughs> like, Yeah, Simpsons predicting the future isn't always a good thing. Guys, we picked a really, I mean, we didn't pick this week, but this was a really weird week of like stuff happening versus what we were watching. I mean, just to just to cross over just a little bit for a second, but when I record for my other show in a little bit here, I'm going to have something else that's crossing over directly into the news, and that's going to be super fun to have to talk about as well. <laughs> it's okay. We're going to go talk about the Bay of Pigs, which is a messed up military interaction. Uh. Um, yeah, right? Thanks, <laughs> 2020. Um, but wait, since I did point out Harry Shearer, I do want to point out some of the other voice cast. Uh, Dan Castellaneta uh, was Homer, Abe Simpson, Krusty the Clown, Groundskeeper Willie, Mayor Quimby, Sideshow Mel, Mr. Teeny, Itchy, and Barney, uh, as well as like Hans Moleman for like the second that he showed up. Uh, (laughs) I love Moleman. I don't know why. (laughs) uh, Julie Kavner is Marge, uh, Selma Bouvier and Patty Bouvier, uh, her sisters. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Nancy Cartwright famously does the voice for Bart, Ralph Wiggum, Todd Flanders, Nelson, uh, also does this little for Maggie. Uh, Yardley Smith is Lisa, and Hank Azaria, who is all over the place and has been on a number of shows beyond just The Simpsons, uh, is Moe and Chief Wiggum and Cletus and Professor Frank and Apu. At least he was in this movie. He no longer is, but that's a whole yeah, other discussion. Yeah, he just discussion. recently retired from doing that. Uh, comic book guy, Bumblebee Man, Dr. Nick, uh, Dredrick Tatum, all that fun stuff. So You know what? I'm just going to get this out there. I fucking hate the comic book guy. 
<laughs> I hate him. And I think a big part of it is, I mean, because he's just kind of caricature. I have met comic book guy in real life. Mm -hmm. Like down to shirt and stomach sticking out and every like every bad thing. But in like high school and college, people kept comparing me to comic book guy. Thinking they were being like nice or funny or relating. Because they're like, he likes comics, you likes comics. And I'm like, he's the worst character on that show. What's wrong with like, why would you think I would like that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, people bought me, like, I don't know, the, there was a comic book guy, like, book or something that was made, and people are like, oh, I thought of you. And I'm like, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, not like this. Look, guys, it's 2006. Nerds aren't cool yet. We haven't taken over like we have in 2020. Oh, no. Having comics be my personality was not as fun as it kind of is today. <laughs> and especially not when that's the face of yeah, comic Yeah, when film. that's the comparison. Um, but sorry. Anyways, you were telling me about amazing voice actors. No, I mean, there's a couple others I could I could list off, like Tress McNeil did a few voices and such, but that's that's definitely the principal cast. So it sounds like where we're sitting on this... Is it's is, fine? Uh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it has a lot of really good, quick jokes, but it doesn't have, like, the amazing... I mean, I, I didn't go in expecting this, but it doesn't have the really amazing, overarching plot. It doesn't have... the. St I had forgotten what most of the plot was other than there was a dome. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good ideas in it confronting Homer being an asshole is a good idea. Uh, forcing mm -hmm. the Simpsons out of Springfield for a bit is a good idea. But they also still had bits of like, as much as they confronted Homer on being an asshole, they also had bits showing why people like Homer mm -hmm. that I understood. There were funny stuff like him needing to fool a soldier so he steals a hotel person's uniform and like acts like a general and then puts super glue on his hands to climb up the dome like it was weird ridiculous homer was a piece of shit but there was enough funny things about homer that i wasn't just spending the whole time being like god he's the fucking worst right uh him fishing was a great gag that was a good gag but yeah i don't know overall it's fine <laughs> It's, yeah. Maybe even a little bit if, better than fine. It's just not stupendous. If you want to watch The Simpsons without deep diving into, like, early Simpsons and, holy crap, 30 seasons is intimidating or whatever, like, where do I start? This is not a bad one. I could have watched this with very little understanding of The Simpsons and enjoyed myself still, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think I've said most of my piece on The Simpsons at this point. I think that's it. Like it's <laughs> this. This is a weird one because Simpsons is not something I'm devoted to, but I do enjoy this movie. And again, it, it's the momentary humor of it. But I've said that enough. Uh, any recommendations for this week? Uh, I do, and they're going to tie right into The Simpsons. Perfect. Um, as soon as we were going to do a Simpsons episode, I thought of this video. I rewatched it. 
If you do watch it off of my recommendation, you'll notice some of the things being said are rather similar to what I've said today. It's because I agree 100% <laughs> with this guy. And we both obviously grew up watching The Same Simpsons. Up on YouTube, the there's, a, I don't know, a channel, a dude. I don't know how you call it on, on this YouTube shit. Dude is Super Eyepatch Wolf. Does an amazing... He does a couple different uh, videos on The Simpsons, at least two, and those are the two that I'm going to recommend. There might be more. Uh, one is The Fall of The Simpsons, colon, How It Happened. A 31-minute video essay on basically the entire rise and fall of The Simpsons uh, that tracks way more in-depth, like, the changes that actually happened in the writing room, uh, what uh, actually breaks down the way that jokes used to be written for the show compared to how they're written now um yet that might be the episode or the thing cc was talking about he does a really good job though of not just shitting on it um that's important it's obvious uh probably the same way that it's obvious the way i've talked about the simpsons today that there's a preference but it's more just pointing out how it's changed and maybe getting down a little bit to why it's changed. Mm -hmm. um, that was actually put out two years ago. Nine months ago, he put out another video, uh, The Bizarre Modern Reality of the Simpsons, which is also uh, an amazing watch, uh, where he sort of talks about the last few years and the memification of the Simpsons and how even as the show has I believe the show actually still does like amazing numbers. Like it's just that the critical critical ratings have gone down across the board. Well, and it's amazing is who the fuck still watches the Simpsons, but obviously people do because it's 31 seasons mm -hmm. in this, in this reality where it's still hyper known because of how much it's wedged its way into culture in general, but the show itself seems to be on the decline the the second video really tracks the online life that the Simpsons now have from everything from like the the Homer backing up into the bushes meme to I do love that meme uh, to Simpsons wave with people taking old clips from the show and uh, editing them and distorting them and setting them to like uh, ambient synth wave songs to create these moving music videos uh it's awesome and, That's really sh and shit like uh oh god <laughs> what is it like is it marge marge's anime anime marge something like that i don't know it there's a bunch of really neat things that he covers that uh i mean the simpsons has a whole new life and some of the shit is stuff that i i hadn't even heard of so and I live on the internet for the most part, so... <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. That's interesting. Uh, huh. But yeah, that's Super Eye Patch Wolf, uh, The Fall of the Simpsons, How It Happened, and The Bizarre Modern Reality of the Simpsons. Both of them together will take you like an hour, so... Perfect, that's amazing. All right, I've got two quick recommendations, and one is one that I'm actively reading now, so like I, I, I don't have a lot on it, but it's just really good. It is Sarah and the Royal Stars from Vault Comics. I have mentioned Vault Comics before. They're a local Missoula-based company. They Vagrant Queen on Sci-Fi Channel, which I think has already been canceled, but I'm not sure. 
uh, is based off a vault property. They mostly do science fiction and fantasy comics, and they tend to do a lot of women and characters of color. Uh, Sarah and the Royal Stars is a woman-led fantasy comic based off, like, Persian mythology. Hmm, okay. The god Mitra comes up, the Great Bull of Heaven is in it. Uh, it, it's all the stuff that's just cracked to me. I have not finished it yet, so I can't go much into details. Not that I was going to anyways for a recommendation. But it's very good, and it's very pretty. And then my other recommendation is a little on the other side of the equation. It is a podcast from the Parcast Network called Kingpins. Hmm. And I may have recommended this before, and I don't remember. It is super trashy, <laughs> but I love it. It f it almost always does two-part episodes about various kingpins. Uh, Frank Lucas, uh, Al Capone, you know, crime lords, drug lords, whatever. The first episode is their rise to power. The second episode is their fall. Hmm. And it is like, do you remember like late night Discovery Channel documentaries from like when we were kids? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, that kind of like su super trashy kind of sensationalist documentaries. Yeah. It's those in podcast form. Oh, okay. Parcast does a bunch of different podcasts. They have conspiracy theories, which makes me sad and I can't do that one. They've got famous people. They've got ghost stories. They've got what have you. Kingpins is the only one I get really into. And the information is good. They do a whole lot of research. It is all hella scripted, which is very different from us, who we have no scripts, um, <laughs> or even the idea of scripts. But it, it, it is a fun, trashy way of getting information on stuff that I would not get otherwise. You know, Elliot Ness, the guy who took down Al Capone, or the guy who likes to take a lot of credit for taking down Al Capone. Right. <laughs> It's fun. It's interesting. And it's uh, different than anything else that I listen to, which I appreciate. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, if you choose not to listen to any of those, but still want to listen to us, please hit subscribe, however you're listening right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, that's a really great idea. We would love subscriptions. We would love uh, rating and reviews. As we have mentioned, the internet is run on algorithms, and the more that we are out there, the more people interact with us, the more we get put out there. And also, the better we can do, the more we hear from you. Uh, and while, you know what, while we're talking about listening to more of us, maybe we should point out, you won't be on the next episode. No. I will be taking, because as I said, I will be getting married Saturday. Congratulations. Which is, thank you, which is two days ago for this episode, but I am taking next week off. Uh, Yui, my roommate and friend and squire and son. And friend uh, of the show, because Yui has been on And friend of the show. They, they were our first guest. They were on a pod full of Mando. We'll be coming on to discuss their utter hatred of Quentin Tarantino, which is fun because we're a podcast about liking things. And the moment we have a guest person, it's about how much something is hated. Yeah. Um, so next week will be the quarantine Tarantino off <laughs> as Yui might oh, be coming. Ooh, just full of 
all sorts of not like for Tarantino. I, on the other hand, have a tattoo on my body inspired by the Django Unchained poster. I got home and they were watching Django Unchained and just looked furious at their computer. And I'm like, at least you're watching the good one. And they just went, no. (laughs) So this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I am very excited to hear this episode. Especially because I know that they can just school me on anything that comes up as it actually pertains to film. But I think it's... And you'll be like, it made me happy. But I also think it's fun because liking things leads to emotions, and we should uh, recognize all emotions. Yeah. And we're trying to get UE going on another podcast project, and I know we keep we have been promising new podcast projects as long as this podcast has been going. But the quarantine has been going for about half the length of the po- this podcast at this point. So, like, we're sorry, guys. We're working on it. And a but, lot of us are essential. <laughs> yeah, we're all pretty much all of us. And it's just been but, a lot of mental load lately with everything going on. You know, once the time comes that we can find them on that podcast, you can find them and, well, you will be able to find them. And in the meantime, find us on our podcast network, Earworm Productions. That's right. Earworm Network? Go- yeah, <laughs> whatever. Well, Earworm. Earworm. E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M dot com for all of those updates pertaining to shows across the board. That would be us. That would be listening to me talk about horror movies over on Fried Squirms. That would be you and Malark talking about war and wargaming over on The Art of Wargaming. Uh, you can follow the links from Earverm to get to more shit just about us. Or you can just go to generalnerdcast.com Got all of our back catalog. Keep up with all of our stuff. Contact us through there uh, or by emailing us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. Or you can also find us. Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say you can, or just search for us on social media. You search for General Nerdery, we're what comes up. So, yep. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. I will put up pictures of the amazing Rainbow Jedi outfit that I am making that I mentioned for my wedding. Yay. yeah, it's it's so good. I'm so excited, guys. I look like Joseph in his Technicolor dream coat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, we really appreciate you listening to us. This is uh, one of my favorite parts of my week. Oh, and oh. it is in in a time that is as fucked up as this. I just so appreciate that we get to do these kinds of things. I very much agree. This has been a giant highlight for my weekend of an interesting time. So, thank you. In the meantime, I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed!